Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Someone asked in that Q&A what my favorite uh, thing about you is, Uh-oh. and I talked about how you furiously double-click all your texts oh, when you're reading my severe OCD tendencies are great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's severe, but I am saying it's wildly extreme. Well, but like, you I'm know not what? saying severe, but I'm, I'm not saying my psychiatrist didn't call it moderate to severe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say it is one of my favorite things about you. It's a very precious little, you know, no one's perfect. Explain it. I tried to explain it to my old therapist. She's like, oh, no, it's probably just a nervous tick. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought at first. But it's become so com- such a compulsion that I, like, can't function. And, like, I can't let people watch me on the computer because people are like, like, when I'm doing something and I'm trying to show Blaze something, he's like, if you highlight it every force, like, <laughs> if you continuously highlight the sentence, I can't read it. And I'm like, but I can't read it if it's not. <laughs> it is a very it's very uh charming it's like oh she's oh, not she's perfect so troubled <laughs> oh she's broken she's just like bu- us busted up it's okay oh <laughs> 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 uh, well welcome to and that's why we drink where i'm a I little busted say- can we, can we leave all of that in? <laughs> I don't think I realized that since now that I'm so I, I told Em like we can record now from the start um, because I can edit now. And so it's very exciting. <laughs> um, but it also means, I guess, a more free flowing, open ended conversation is happening here. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying my favorite my favorite little ticks that Christine has. So, you know, we've all like, got them. It's like and oh, my my severe OCD. Good. Glad it's um glad it's glad it's I serving mean, a positive purpose because it's certainly not in my life, but I'm glad it is in yours. It would be weird if I didn't recognize it and love you, uh love you no matter what kind of crazy ticks you got going yeah, on. Yeah, okay. no, you're right. And I feel like when you notice it, I was that's actually the point when I went Okay, because my brother knows that I do that. And obviously, like, he's just, we've known each other long enough that he just knows that I do that. And um, it never really occurred to me that nobody else has really seen it. And so when you, when we recorded together and you were like, man, you know, one thing you do, it's like, you're just like constantly, I don't know, ticking or highlighting. I also, (laughs) well, I like, I, I said it like a year after I noticed it. And I, was I know. Like, that was, I was like, man, this is just a personality trait now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, it's a fun personality trait, <clears throat> aka a compulsion that I can't control. And so then I went to my therapy office and I was like, listen, uh, this has now been brought to me from someone else. And I feel like now I need to address <laughs> it because it's not just me noticing it anymore. Um, and so, yeah, she was like, no, it's probably just a nervous tick, not OCD. And I was like, well, 
you'll let's get to know each other a little bit more <laughs> and then we'll, we'll discuss and pretty soon you know we had a full full uh list on the table it was great times but um oh good well anyway. i can't wait to learn what your other ticks are even oh, though there's I so feel many like you know a lot of them aka checking under the bed before i go to bed every night which is <laughs> like you know pretty much the bane of your fucking okay. existence at this point lemon that's lemon. fair you know it is useful when i don't have like a guard dog with me on my travels because i can be like christine check under my bed because i'm not gonna do and it i'm like go. oh no remember when i dropped my pen earlier that was me trying to find an excuse to look under your bed i already looked under your bed but i'll do it again anyway well i think all of your little ticks are very charming i appreciate that some people think that i'm like joking about ocd i'm like no i'm fully not i'm not i'm not making that up as like a haha i have ocd it's like no that's a very uh (laughs) pain in my ass it's pretty insane pretty intense diagnosis but we're fine listen i've got a lot of it under control some of it not all of it some of it like one <laughs> maybe one still look under the bed so that one hasn't been dealt with but it's okay <laughs> it's like dare we ask lemon who you found under the bed if you're okay mentally yeah, yeah listen it served a good purpose for the show okay lemon never okay, you're been right. discovered you know what we said it earlier today but i was like anytime we've ever like been annoyed with each other it always became good comedy it's you all, like, did say that and that was such a wise sage remark you made earlier what was i saying oh because you like spilled wine everywhere i snuck wine into somewhere where i wasn't allowed to bring wine and em was like actually pretty fucking mad at me and i remember like (laughs) well to be fair i broke the straw of my wine bra and dumped it all over the floor so like em had every right to be mad at me but i remember going oh i actually really ticked em off this time like em's not the whole but the whole time i was upset part of me was like you can't possibly be upset because you just like struck a great comedic story so like like, we'll never stop talking about this right it's sort of like that comedy of like you can't be all mad but yeah it's like when my kid is gonna do something like horrifically stupid one day it's like i can't be all mad because now i get to like make fun of you about this for the rest of my now you have that ammo in your arsenal yeah Yeah, you have a fun story for their wedding yeah for sure for sure oh i get it anyway how how are you on and that's why we drink why do you drink oh well i am drinking this lovely these are my new favorite these san pellegrino um juice beverages is a orange and prickly pear Little, I love an orange. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, what? that reminded me. Fun fact. Tell me. Um, so I'm sure you and the rest of the world know Probably that not. Skittles, the candy oh, Skittles. Oh, vegan. Yes. Oh. Fun. Oh, I thought that's no. where we were going. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but they uh, made the worst decision of their PR life when they took away the lime candies and replaced it with green apple. This happened several years ago, and I have not been able to look at Skittles the same Oh, I don't since. think I knew that, but I, I feel like I love green apple, and I don't like lime, so maybe I'm on the wrong well, side of history. Well, you're about to find out some bad news. Are they Because searching? apparently enough people <gasps> wrote in to be like, this is trash. Who the fuck made this call? And so Skittles is bringing back the lime, getting rid of the green apple, and they're like launching this like rebranding by like if you still you should see it in stores um but they are coming out with lime only skittles <gasps> which for you is disgusting but for me is amazing so oh, they're not gonna disgusting be... like don't get me wrong i will eat any candy that's in front of me but <laughs> okay fair not my favorite. but it's they're like it's like how starbursts have like the pinks yes. only bag they have like to make up for lost time the green lime oh, skittles that's only. hysterical so lime's getting it's like comeuppance basically uh-huh wow. finally after getting rejected so that's pretty harsh I know, went from like the underdog to the like supreme dog real quick. Seriously. So I don't think I knew that it, even happened. 
It's only limited edition, so go get your lime Skittles while you can. And now, sayonara, green apple. Never liked Wait, it again. I with. love. I mean, I have never. I don't think I ever noticed the difference clearly, or I didn't. <gasps> I must have. Like, but I don't eat Skittles that you often. Must have. I the taste know. was potent enough for was it like people not to good? be writing in. It was just green apple, and I was like, "Wow, I've tried this a million other places." Yeah, I just like they just had a good. I feel lime. like the they classic Skittles lime. were like a combo that you got used to. It seems weird to switch that up, so I can get why that would be frustrating. Um, I feel like an intern came in and went, "You know, it's fun, green apple." You know and what? Then- millennials love these days. You know what? Gen Z, they're iconic. <laughs> you know what's iconic with Gen Z these yeah. days? Oh my god! Um, <laughs> but anyway, so you said orange. I thought citrus, and it got me to lime. Oh so. great! Well, that was what I was drinking. Is a prickly pear orange situation. It's very good. And um, I don't know why I drink, except my my impending motherhood is coming up very quickly. We're at like seven Whoa. weeks away. Um, or words. less, depending on how quickly this human decides to enter the plane, the plane of existence. Um, I'm that, getting a little freaked gonna... out. Oh, really? Yeah, there's finally. It's... I've been freaked out this whole time. Oh, trust friend. me. I mean, I'm never not freaked out. To be clear, I'm usually my baseline is pretty fucking high. Um, but <laughs> I even was like, we need. To... I'm speaking of OCD. I was like to my therapist, I was like, we need to address this because it's getting worse. And she's like, does it correlate with anxiety? I was like, yes, it correlates with anxiety. That is why. <laughs> Are you- Aren't you the therapist? Hello. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm trying not to like freak out every five seconds, but you know what? We got this. It's okay. What's the thing that's freaking you out the most? Touring, man. I'm nervous. I'm just nervous that I'm gonna be sad, or I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know. I'm just nervous. But sad, like tired. away from the baby. Yeah, or... and tired. I don't know. I'm just scared. But I think it'll be fine. And we have several months before that happens. We have like an early test run of three days where I think Blaze is gonna travel with us. So like. It'll be fine. I'm just... Well... I'm, everything's scary. You, I don't know. If you miss the baby too much when we're on tour, I can just cry and scream and keep you up all night. <laughs> There's I enough of a You'll be infant, fine. <laughs> infant with me anyway. I'll just yeah. be like, feed me! <laughs> and then I like, won't stop screaming until you do it. So then you, you're not going to miss that baby at all. I'll, bring, like, <laughs> I'll have a baby with me. You're right. That makes me feel better. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't we know. We can color. We could do all sorts of baby stuff. We like already watch, do like, that. We do color and coloring books and stuff on tour. I feel like... You're yeah. right. You know what? You're prepping me exactly for for where I need to be. I did. I know wanna, what I'm doing. I did want to add. Let's see. This week, um, the baby's as big as the crystal ball from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, or as big as a fanny pack. I like how, like, the prop master had to be able to give measurements of that crystal ball so other a, people a very specific, could yeah understand the reference without having held it themselves. Yes, you know? and then uh, the, actually, when this comes out, it'll be as big as the volleyball from Top Gun. That's Jesus weirdly, Christ. Weirdly specific. Or the Polly Pocket Adventure playset. So You have fun. to shoot out a volleyball? Oh, don't don't worry. By the time um <laughs> oh we get word. there, it'll be a cabbage. Oh my god, M. What? One of them is Kermit the Frog. Is coming up. And Kermit is if, reborn. It, if the baby's born week 41, which will be Kermit, Kermit the Frog. and It will be. I promise. It will, is this, it will does be. That off, does that also fall on Mothman Festival? We- <laughs> because it's a little too on the we nose. We could literally plan now around the birth. Knowing that Kermit is an option, we could absolutely plan the exact date. I would like to be in the hospital and I would like to set up like a, like a ritual space where it's only Kermit the Frogs all over the place just to welcome in a <laughs> new Kermit. We'll turn off the lights and like hum. I don't know. It'll be creepy as hell. If you don't name the baby Kermit, if it comes out like on Kermit week, like I'm going to be so fucking mad at you. <laughs> it, 
Just saying. Um, well, week. Oh my god, one of the weeks um, on movie and TV props week thirty nine is Bruiser from Legally Blonde, which is very cute. Um, Precious basketball from Space Jam, pe- uh, pizza from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a lot of fun that's, stuff. That's 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 not a firm measurement. I feel that's like just... yeah, it says nineteen to twenty two inches. So Jesus, it's just big. It's just a lot of bit. It's big. It's large. Anyway. I hope the baby comes out as Bruiser from Legally Bond. Like, and then you just have a little chihuahua. chihuahua. Yeah. <laughs> Named Kremit. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a disaster for everybody. I hope it's actually just like a, a fully uh, functioning like puppet that comes out. No. And just goes like. I mean, I guess it sort oh, of is. It's easy being green oh, or no, some it's bullshit not that. like that. <laughs> just a dancing Kermit. <sighs> anyway. Yikes. Well, I don't envy you but uh it's gonna be are you worried about the day of or the 18 years after uh, i'm con- um, which one? well a lot of it you know but they I, sound equally troublesome they're equally troubling and they're equally scary um i would just say both all of the above you know are you gonna like epidural it like what, what's the game plan well you know it's a very touchy subject people get very very judgmental so please if you're listening please. oh do you not want to give do you not want to no, give I'm, answer I'm happy to share just to make other people feel like you know it's it's safe to share things like this but um yes i do plan to get an epidural that's the plan so we'll see but obviously there's a plan and then there's like whatever actually ends up happening so i don't want to get too hung up on any details but like pl- my plan is to ha- get an epidural so we'll see um, Honestly, I don't know enough about the controversy there, but I think if anyone is in enough pain, like that's a very valid option. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't, don't know. think there's anything wrong either way. Obviously, but you know, some people get kind of judgmental about it. But plus, you've also had like eighty thousand spinal taps from that one Honestly, night. Remember that one spinal t- that uh, fucked up spinal tap that like he missed into my spine. I mean, I don't think anything could have prepared well, you're me. About- for I was for an epidural as well as that did. Um, I thought you were going to say nothing could be more painful, and I was like, Ooh, "Also, don't that counter chickens." Yeah, my no. Friend. Also, yeah, true. Fair point. But um, nothing could be really more scary because that was like, "Wow, I'm in the basement of this hospital." Um, this is the eighth time he's trying to put this needle into my spine, <laughs> and then afterwards they told me, "Actually, it's great. It's really fascinating because he's actually legally blind." And I was like, "Is that a joke?" And Blaze was like. Blaze was so mad. He's like, wait, they put that doctor in charge? He is literally legally blind. And I was like, oh, I know. They told me. Oh, my gosh. Maybe he'll be the same doctor that works with you. So you'll have oh a my God, legally blind not. and a legally blonde little bruiser. So. <laughs> absolutely not. That man was also 80. So I'm like, I, I think he's probably retired in the last five years, I hope, because he really was blind. He shouldn't be putting a needle in my spine anyway, whatever. So it's fine. The, the professionals who do it it'll be fine but um yeah that, listen i've been in enough pain with my crones and shit in hospital like just i'm just gonna take the epidural you know what i mean it's like look i'm i have zero room to judge you <laughs> even if i knew what i was judging you on but uh congratulations either way you're about to literally push out a human I being hope so. so you kind of get to do whatever the fuck you want how about that i <laughs> listen i'm gonna write that down and make that my affirmation <laughs> <laughs> i can do whatever the fuck i want i look and you know what i would applaud it a thousand percent 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. I am so thrilled that we are working with Fast Growing Trees. I spent about an hour and a half on the website trying to decide what I would love to order from their products. They have so many options and you can actually filter it by zones, by growing zones to make sure you know it'll work in your garden. Um, they have everything from massive privacy shrubs and trees to very, very specific flowers. I actually ended up ordering a lilac shrub for my garden. I recently discovered how much I love the smell of lilac and so I thought, you know what? Perfect chance. Why don't I get some lilac growing in my yard? I think it's going to smell beautiful. And I also got my mom a little lavender plant as an Easter present. Right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code DRINK at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code DRINK at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code DRINK. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right. Do you want to get into the story this Please. week? Please. You're going to like it, Christine. I can't wait. So this is the story. It's uh, your favorite topic. What? Do you want to guess what your favorite topic is? My favorite is? topic. Um, <laughs> do you want to guess what your favorite interest is, Christine? Um, could it be uh, cowboys or aliens? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 What? <laughs> No, it's aliens. Oh, okay, I, it was okay. like, I figured it was, was like, one ooh. or the other, but I want to be a little more specific, so I said cowboys, but aliens is my guess. I would like to combine them one day and cover like a space cowboy for you. A space but cowboy. I would be so thrilled. I should have made that your America's Hercene shifter as you were a space cowboy. <laughs> no, maybe like fun. the space cowboy is like my romantic interest or the Hercene oh. shifter's romantic interest. <laughs> there will be a sequel to America's Hercene shifter and they will be falling in love with a space cowboy. It'll be like that weird uh, Akon story about like erotic <laughs> space literature. <laughs> well, they'll have a baby named Xenon and then you know where it goes from there. So, Okay. So this is the story of the Majestic 12, what? a.k.a. the Roswell incident. <gasps> Holy shit. Yeah. The big guns. So the Majestic 12. Uh, I like the sound of Majestic 12 because you usually get like triple threat. You got Fantastic Four. You got the Jackson 5. You never get a dozen. <laughs> oh, cheaper by the dozen. Cheaper by the dozen. <laughs> Uh, the most anyway. famous dozen of all yeah <laughs> the cheaper one <laughs> um 
A baker's dozen, baker's which is actually dozen. not a dozen. Fun fact. Which is even better um, than a dozen. <laughs> a baker's dozen is also what I call the M special. So <laughs> just um, throw one extra for fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, this was obviously in Roswell, New Mexico. This was in 1947, uh, which uh, just to keep you in the loop, it was the beginning of the Cold War, um, which will come into play later. Fun fact I just wanted to ask if you wanted to take a little guessy. Um, in 1947, at the beginning of the Cold War, w- how many UFO reports do you think were seen in that year alone, 1947? Oh, my God. Like in the world? Let's say near New Mexico. Oh, um, 10? There were over, in the last six months alone, there were over 300. What? Yeah. Holy cannoli. I don't know if it was officially New Mexico or just the Pacific Northwest, but fun fact. <gasps> So, um, wait, is New Mexico in the Pacific Northwest? The uh, West America. Oh, okay. West United States. I was like, I feel like it's not quite, but yeah, it's more Washington, closer Oregon to kind of stuff. Mexico than like Canada. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, Pacific Southwest, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the Southwest. I feel like that's like Texas, like yeah, New Mexico, yeah, yeah. Arizona. So, the this story, so 1947, the Air Force comes forward and publicly announces that they have found a flying disc. Uh, and it was on, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like Brazil, but with an E instead of an I. So Brazil. With an Bra- E Bra- instead of an I. Yeah, so Brazil. Oh, I don't but, know. Wait, what is it? Is it a place? It's a last name. Oh, oh, um, I have no idea. I guess. Bra- I'm say. I feel like Brazil. 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 Um, so the Air Force says that they found a flying disc on the Brazil ranch. Oh, I and see. this, uh, in the, in the newspaper articles, this is actually one of the first references where flying saucer is called. <gasps> okay. So the account or this actual sighting happened June 14th, 1947. And the rancher, the farmhand, his name was W.W. Brazil, although they call him Mac. And Mac and his son Vernon were driving on their property, which was about 80 miles away from Roswell. And they saw, quote, a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tin foil, and rather tough paper and sticks. <laughs> Sounds so, like somebody's fort fell apart. I was going to say, it sounds like when you go out into, like, the woods and try to, like, make soup as a kid with leaves and like, sticks. <laughs> like, find a rock and you're like, this will work as a bowl. This is a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, anyway, there was apparently a lot of, like, metallic wreckage. Okay. And others who also witnessed this from further away claim to say that the crash... The crash left a bunch of scraps around, confirmed by the farmer. Uh, but they also said that the scraps were taken away by high-level military. And some reports even said that aliens were found in the UFO and taken by the military. Mm. But the only real account we have is from Mac and his son, Vernon. Okay. So this made headlines with the Roswell Daily Record. Uh, they stated that Mac tried to collect as much of the scraps as he could. He didn't have a phone at the time, so he didn't know like how to contact anyone to help him. And so we just kind of like cleaned up. He just went, help! <laughs> yeah, he's like, I guess I'll store this somewhere. <laughs> and after hearing about other UFO sightings in the area, Mac decided that he was going to show this all these scraps to the sheriff. It got 
passed through a couple hands. Eventually, it ended up with the Air Force's uh, bombardment group, uh, which took the flying disc for inspection. Okay. And after having the disc for a day, they quickly debunked it as a, can you guess it? Weather balloon. Weather balloon. Yay. (laughs) So this would have been part of... They're thinking based on the time frame and them calling it a weather balloon, this would have been around the time as Project Mogul, which I might cover eventually if we get really in depth. If we ever get really in depth with aliens, I'm going to, or UFOs, I'll cover it. But it's basically like the classified government program where they set off a bunch of high altitude weather balloons, weather balloons, to monitor nuclear tests from Russia, which Uh, I think I've I've talked about a little bit in the past. Yeah. Um, I think when I covered. I forget what it was called, but it was like, it was the alien encounter where like 300 students saw it and they thought it <gasps> yes. might be a weather balloon. So I've mentioned it a little bit before, but it's called Project Mogul, where they released all of these things to like test radiation. That's right. I do remember that. Yep. Ironically, they were doing this in uh, the earlier 1940s when Russia wouldn't even have its own like nuclear balloons or anything worth really testing until almost 1950 so they were project mogul came up before there was ever even anything to worry huh. about and then things ended up showing it was kind of like which came first the chicken or the egg right, and like right. did we cause like did we cause these things to even exist because we were afraid they existed so anyway fun fact there although this flying saucer was dismissed as a balloon um, since they had stated in the press that it was a flying disc that kind of just like laid the bricks for UFO paranoia. Okay. And the quote Roswell incident stayed dismissed and unheard of globally uh, and even nationally until the 70s. So I always thought when I thought of the Roswell incident, like the thing that made Roswell so fucking crazy powerful mm-hmm. and all about aliens, I thought it was going to be like, we ran into 500 aliens coming off a yeah. UFO and they just like all had a party with, I, I thought it had to be something crazy for Roswell to get sure, this reputation. all that credit. Yeah. And it was just like a farmer and his son saw this thing in the sky and it crashed and it got mentioned in the paper. And like a day later, the story quickly changed and it was kind of, what odd. about all those that 300 was sightings? Yeah. No, like, is that those, not why the 300 sightings was a diff was like a story from like New Zealand or something. No, no, sorry, uh, you said, like, how many sightings were there in New Mexico in the year 1940? Oh, right, yeah. Well, even that, so that, I think that was all in or around New Mexico, but none of them were, like, oh, so the you're Roswell saying incident. Roswell specifically got the credit from that incident. Well, okay, wow, yeah, I would have expected it to be, like, <laughs> I mean, it's for like the such conventions a- that happen nowadays, yeah, I would have expected it to be, like, Mothman yeah. size. <laughs> It's like such a mundane story compared to like probably any of those other 300 random reports around the area. Like, yeah. But in Roswell, New Mexico specifically, That's the thing so that makes Roswell so all about aliens was this like random blip of a story. Okay. You never so, know, I guess, what's going to stick. <laughs> I, I guess not. <laughs> so it ends up staying, like I said, dismissed for a while until the 70s. And then it had this like resurgence. So... There was this guy named Stanton Friedman, and I'm going to bring him up a little bit later, too. But he talked at some point. He was a big uh, UFO enthusiast, and he ended up talking to military members who say that they saw the crash site. And after talking to them long enough, he ended up making this documentary called UFOs Are Real. And so that this documentary that came out about this Roswell incident 
uh, in combination with the fact that two years later, a book called The Roswell Incident came out. Those two things made UFO enthusiasts look back and be like, oh, why haven't we ever really paid more attention to this case? Mm, okay. So it was from 78 to 1980 when the Roswell incident became like a thing all over again. Right. So back to whatever the Majestic 12 is, right? So that is a conspiracy theory surrounding the Roswell incident and kind of what gives it the notoriety. Because I, like I said earlier, it's like, why was this, this this random mundane UFO report compared to others like the big one? Yeah. So the Majestic 12 is this conspiracy theory that this incident, even though it's like kind of boring compared to the rest, is the one that resulted in a top secret group being formed called the Majestic 12. Ah! AKA, apparently in a lot of documents, it's spelled as MJ12 or mag- Magic with a J. <gasps> that sounds even spookier. I know. So it's kind of like if you were looking at like government files, it would say like MJ-12. I mean, it that sounds Majestic top 12. secret scary level to me. So this is how the Majestic 12 even became a concept. So this guy named Jamie Shandera, Shandera, he was at home. Uh, this was in the early 80s. And he says that he was literally just like, going about his day and he heard an envelope fall through his mail slot and never found out who the sender was just heard something go through the door went to go check and it was a postcard from new mexico okay and or an inside it was a postcard in the envelope as well as undeveloped photo film (gasps) where did oh sorry there was sorry i i fucked up there was no postcard it had a new mexico postmark Sorry. Postmark. So I was like, that's the- nice. Like, wish you were here. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking of you. So, Wait, so the sorry, envelope- where did he live? He lived in I don't know. Oh. I didn't write that down. Sorry. Okay, sorry. I think I, I thought you had said it. So he's just some guy and he gets so he's just a so he's a random guy who happens to be a UFO enthusiast. I got you. Get to okay. in a second. Got you. But he just like basically he Yeah, he got this envelope inside was this undeveloped photo film. It's like a roll of film. And he brought it to his other friend named Bill Moore, who was a big UFOologist, a big UFO enthusiast. So the two of them together were like, I I think Bill Moore was also very like on onto conspiracy theories. So when this guy like got a random roll of undeveloped film from a stranger, he was like, oh, my conspiracy theorist friend will want to hear about this. Yeah, absolutely. That's a person to call for sure. Yeah. So he goes and sees his friend Bill. And they developed the pictures, and on the film were eight pages. I guess they might have been, like, uh, pictures of the pages or something? Like, early scans? like Early screenshots, if you will. But it was eight pages of classified briefing papers for Operation Majestic 12. (gasps) Whoa. So one of the pages was a note from President Truman, which was authorizing the creation of this group called mj12 so one whole page was just him saying like i acknowledge that this is a thing it is being created okay and i'm giving my seal of approval Stamped. on that yeah yeah the other pages were allegedly from 1952 so it was 30 years ago uh and it was a note from the cia director briefing president eisenhower as he was coming into his presidency to let him know, like, hey, this is what Truman was up to. Uh, this is what the M. Tw- this is what M twelve or MJ twelve is, and we strongly suggest you continue this work wow. under your presidency. 
So it was like from the CIA director to the literal president saying like, hey, you, this you is your hobby this. now. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a say. So other pages also described uh, several UFO. I wouldn't say several, but a handful of UFO crashes and people involved in the investigations and potential cover ups. <gasps> so fun fact, although several parts are redacted, making it hard to read, you can find these online on the FBI website. Oh, hell yeah. I love when they still have those things up there. Mm-hmm. So this is a sample of like what one of the pages said. On June 24th, 1947, a civilian pilot. This is uh, one of like the other random UFO crashes they talk about, I think. Yeah, I think. Okay. On June 24th, 1947, a civilian pilot flying over the Cascade Mountains in the state of Washington observed nine disc-shaped aircraft traveling in formation at a high rate of speed. Although this was not the first known sighting of such objects, it was the first to gain widespread attention in the public media. Hundreds of reports of sightings of similar objects followed, and many of these came from highly credible military and civilian sources. These resulted in independent efforts by several different members of the military to ascertain the nature of the purpose of these objects and the interests of national defense. A number of witnesses were interviewed and they were there were several unsuccessful attempts to utilize aircraft in efforts to pursue the discs in flight and public reaction bordered on near hysteria. Whoa, whoa. So just like that, but a bunch of pages like that giving you some intel on like what the government was up to and not telling the public. Yeah. So the Majestic 12, it was allegedly, because we don't know if this is legit or not, it was allegedly created after an incident by President Truman to understand the physics of alien technology, to prepare for future communications with extraterrestrials, and to even have the military propose uh, responses for future encounters and like how they should react. <laughs> So, in theory, this one Roswell incident and apparently a couple others created this whole group just for the future because apparently it was happening enough times that Truman was getting freaked out. Wow. So, according to uh, the website ufoevidence.org, which, by the way, I have to give them a complete shout out because I'm going to basically verbatim list what they said. I was going to try to, you know put my own spin on it and and not use this verbatim but i mean they it's pretty brass tacks and it's exactly what yeah, i would like want if to they say. did anyway, it if they did it well we can just keep it encapsulated <laughs> so shout out to ufoevidence.org but here are so uh i don't think i made this clear yet but the majestic 12 the 12 are apparently all 12 of the people that are in this committee that okay, are responsible I was gonna for ask. yeah that are meant to be either learning about this stuff or being part of the investigations, whatever it may be, there are, are a they dozen. Sprinkle not a baker's I was dozen. Say they didn't sprinkle in a thirteenth. <laughs> nope they they, uh, they really held back on that. Man, but um, somebody else could have got a shot in there, but no. <laughs> so the alleged majestic twelve themselves in the 1940s were. I'm just going to go through all twelve of them. One of them was Rear Admiral Roscoe Hillen Cotter. and he was the. F so tell like just keep this in mind as I list like their credentials right these are the 12 exact people you want on your fucking staff I'm if you're so making excited. a top secret classified ufo is the guy from blink group. 182 in there okay <laughs> like, if like it weren't be. 1940s yeah i but feel like it, he's the 13 he's the baker's dozen like the just baker's sprinkle him on top <laughs> blink 113 if you will 
Okay, sure. so this is <laughs> Rear Admiral Roscoe Hillencotter, who was the first director of the CIA. He was later on the board for the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomenon. Wow. Then there's Dr. Bush, who was the chairman of the National Defense Research Commission and Office of Scientific Research and Development, as well as the Joint Research and Development Board, as well as the National Advisory Committee on Aeronautics, a.k.a. future NASA. <gasps> wow. So, see, he was the chairman for all of those things. Oh, my God. Then there's James Forrestal, who was the Secretary of the Navy. He was the first Secretary of Defense. And interestingly, only two years in, he had a mental breakdown and died by the S-word. Oh, no. Um, but, and I, by the way, pretty tasteless, because I know that depression is a very real thing, and mental health is very important. But a lot of people do use that as he seemed to have died under very odd circumstances. And so some people think that he had implied he was going to talk about Majestic 12 or like let the cat out of the bag. Uh-huh. And it's implied that there was some sort of assassination situation. That, that like a suicide was a cover up or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, he did like, uh, I didn't write down all of the little things, but I did read how it's under weird circumstances. And there are a lot of people who like were swearing up and down the like, first of all, he I know how this sounds, but like he wasn't someone who might have done that. Or if he was someone who done that, that wouldn't have been the way he went. Or like there were certain things he still had in order that he would have handled first. And I see. So not everybody there, believed this ev- type everybody, of the story. Everybody that was close to him was like, I don't believe it for a fucking second. Sure. Um, and then just the way that he went was like, there were like random scratch marks on him that didn't make a lot of sense that implied oh, like boy. he was actually in, in defense. It was weird. So, regardless, he was the Secretary of the Navy and the first Secretary of Defense, so obviously he'd be on this group. Then there was General Nathan Twining, who was the commander of the Air Force Air Material Command. There was General Hoyt Vandenberg, who was the Chief of Military Intelligence. Okay. The second Director of Central Intelligence. He was the Chief of the Air Staff, and he later became the Chief of Staff of the Air Force. (laughs) I mean, like, first of all, how do people have this many credentials in one lifetime? How do you have the time? Like, how do you have the time? You're busy. And then on top of that, you're going to be on the Majestic 12. Okay. Then there's... Uh, another. Do- add another thing to your plate? Really? You have room? <laughs> like, are who sure? are you trying to impress at this point? Like, oh, my God. Your resume's you've done packed. Enough. Yeah. Then there's Dr. Bronk, who was part of the Scientific Advisory Committee. He was a chairman of the National Research Council. He was the president of the National Academy of Sciences. He was the, also the president of John Hopkins University. Oh. And he was an advisor member of the atomic energy commission wowza okay that's half of them sorry it's so much but like just bear with me here there's dr hunsaker who is the chairman of the department of aeronautical and mechanical engineering at mit he was the chairman of the national advisory committee on aeronautics aka future nasa and then there was uh rear Admiral Sowers, who was the first director of Central Intelligence, the first executive secretary of the National Secretary Council, uh, a Security Council, not Secretary Council, of the National Security Council. And he was a special consultant to President Truman on intelligence matters. Okay. Then there was Gordon Gray, who was the assistant secretary of the Army. He was a special assistant to President Truman. He was a senior staff assistant to Eisenhower. He was a chairman of the CIA's Psychological Strategy Board, and he was uh, President Eisenhower's Assistant Secretary of Defense 
also, just to throw another notch on his belt, was the president of uh, University of North Carolina. Jeez. And then, I'm so sorry, I know it's a lot of words. There's Donald Menzel, who was the Harvard professor of astrophysics, the chairman to the astronomy department, a renowned uh, UFOologist, a consultant for the CIA, and a consultant for the NSA with ultra-top secret clearance. There was Dr. Berkner, who was an executive secretary of the Research and Development Board, who directed the studies of weapon systems evaluations, and he was part of other CIA UFO secret programs. And then finally, there was Major General uh, Montag, who was the commanding officer at at White Sands Proving Ground, and he later headed special projects in Albuquerque, I'm assuming that were UFO based. So that was a was lot of words. The, I was hoping the last one would be like, and then there was Ted and he was a great guy. <laughs> That's number 13. It's like, and <laughs> there's the star from Blink-182 um, who we talk about a lot. He had a great singing voice and, he, uh, you know, just a gift for lyrics, really. <laughs> he, uh, but so anyway, that was a lot of words. I don't expect anyone to have processed all that, but basically that was a shitload of people with a shitload of credentials yeah. that were all top secret clearance or like the highest expert in their fields. And all 12 of them are allegedly the people involved in the Majestic 12. Do you think any of them felt like the lowest on the, the, the like ranking? You know what I mean? Like, do you think any of them oh, felt yeah. a little bit like... I'm I'm the odd man out, or I mean, they're all obviously all men, probably all white. I'm presuming. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure all of them like were somehow intimidated by the rest, but like also rightfully so with that kind of. Oh, like, absolutely. Uh, I would think maybe the guy who was like the president of like University of North Carolina, like just because like he wasn't like the director of because <laughs> he was okay. That's true. I say he wasn't like the director of the CIA or military intelligence. He didn't like f- found NASA or something. Yeah, I he, guess he didn't also found University of South Carolina. So like, what was he really doing? <laughs> uh, okay, so of those twelve, many of them during their time had testified about ufos before to congress and (gasps) not one of them ever mentioned the majestic 12 (gasps) and when these files came forward when like jamie and bill found jamie and bill it's like bill and ted's excellent adventure or whatever Uh, when jamie and bill found this random reel of uh, like briefing papers by the time that that came out, all 12 of them were dead. So nobody <gasps> could even confirm this. Oh, wow. Like I said earlier, conspiracy theorists say that there was an inside job to assassinate anyone who was aware of this program and was willing to talk about it or make it public. One of them being James Forrestal, who was on the Majestic 12, and also JFK. Y'all conspiracy theorists love JFK. He never can escape for a fucking <laughs> minute. Like, he can't even sit out, sit out one conspiracy. His body is somewhere being like, I have been gone for so long. Please leave me alone. He's rolled over in his grave so many times that he's just probably (laughs) burrowed himself further and further to the core of the earth. Uh, So anyway. Sorry, that was a really weird thing to say. And I I recognize it. And I I apologize for it. No, you did a good job. But yeah, so those are just two of the assassinations that apparently... had something to do with them in just a 12 in one way or another. And oddly enough, even Eisenhower's great granddaughter says like swears by the fact that, uh, president Eisenhower thought that Majestic 12 was real. And Eisenhower even met aliens face to face a few times. 
saying like my great grandpa like literally did that that's way cooler than my stories about my great grandpa like (laughs) he didn't meet any fucking aliens my great grandpa he well i don't know what he did but he certainly didn't see aliens it probably wasn't as interesting as this (laughs) it's clearly not he also wasn't the president i guess that one would probably go first okay valid i wonder (laughs) if he has a good story when you're that person, you're like, do I tell my grandpa as the president first or as like an alien? As like a really cool, it depends on the party you're at, you know, like your yeah. audience. You're got, you like, you just say like, oh, my great grandpa saw aliens. And then like your drunk friend comes by and is like, he was also the president, but you're not even, you're bearing the she's, lead. Yeah, she's never going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from earlier, Bill and Jamie, we know them well. They so well. spent the next few years trying to prove that these briefing papers were legit. And I mentioned forever ago in this conversation that this guy, Stanton Friedman, had also Mm -hmm. made a documentary called UFOs Are Real. He happened to be friends with Jamie and Bill. And so they were like, this guy would fucking help us for sure. Yes. And so all three of them were trying to help verify these files. Uh, They tried to keep a secret for a while. But by 1985, which I think was a year later, they got another clue because (gasps) Bill got a this time an actual postcard in the mail and it came from apparently new zealand and it had a picture of ethiopia on it so what? that's a lot of a lot of information i this don't know what to a do a lot with. of clues yeah so he got gets a new zealand postcard picture of ethiopia i don't know if that's just to throw us off but it had okay. a cryptic note on the back <gasps> and it said add zest to your trip to washington try reese's pieces <gasps> For a stylish look, try Suitland. Okay, I'm freaking out right now. I love a good cryptid, cryptic, cryptid, cryptic <laughs> message and cryptid <laughs> message. <laughs> All of the above. Also, like, try Reese's Pieces. It's like, okay, this was the 80s. Like, E.T. just came out and he loved Valid Reese's Pieces. Point. Like, we're you're not being really that crafty Valid there. Point. Like, yeah. we got it. It's about aliens. Okay. So add, a, add zest to your trip to Washington. Lemons. Something about... <laughs> I'm assuming it has to do with something about extraterrestrials and then for a stylish look try suitland what so su- the suit like suits like a like a suit like a three-piece suit okay three-piece suit uh, I said soup like like soup plantation and i was like soup weird. land sounds way cool i like yeah, to think they have like a, there's a campbell's factory where you just like get to make your own soup just unlimited soup yeah I used to think I was so cool in middle school when, remember, Campbell's came out with, like, the sip, the Absolutely. The, the cook and sips? I thought I was the coolest when I would go to class and I would just drink my lunch. And I was like, drink oh, your soup. <laughs> you can't do this? Wow. Like, what What? What a shame. Oh, you just be... sliced your mouth open on that can trying <laughs> to drink your Campbell's? Well, then also, like, I wanted to show off. And then by lunchtime, I didn't have anything to eat because I already drank my lunch. Oh, my God. I always thought those were so cool. We never had them. They were – it was too wasteful of packaging, my mother said. That's um, fair enough. And also, like, to, in today's world, that was, like, what, two swallows? Like, Yeah, um, and also it seems like a wa- – it does seem like a waste of money, too. It's like, why not just – whatever but anyway it's literally um, I just was putting jealous a- of the kids who had them so you were cool in my eyes it's just putting a sippy lid on a literal can of soup <laughs> um but okay so anyway Suitland. uh they found out that Suitland is in maryland it's literally a town called Suitland. oh it's a town i thought it was like a men's a warehouse it so very quickly this cryptic note does not become very cryptic uh i was like, gonna say we're already solving it your trip in washington et 
and also Suitland, Maryland. Okay. So they found out that in Suitland, Maryland, there is a National Archive Center that had been declassifying files. <gasps> so they were like, okay, let's go to Suitland in hopes that some hint is that we can find something from a declassified document that helps us verify all of these pictures. Right. So while there, they did find a note at these National Archives from July 14th, 1954, which was probably two years after the alleged Majestic 12 was formed. And this note was written by Eisenhower's assistant to one of the members of the Majestic 12, General Twining. So the president's assistant and one of the members of the Majestic 12, this was a note between them. Okay. It said, the president has decided that the MJ-12 briefing should take place during the already scheduled White House meeting of July 16th, rather than following it as previously intended. <sighs> so all it does is just, like, mention MJ-12 as part of a White House meeting. It, it doesn't really say anything creepy, but it at least proves that MJ-12 is a thing. Good point, yeah. And it happens to be between two people who are very heavily involved in the conspiracy as members. So during this time, they were still trying to keep things under wraps about uh, Bill and Jamie. They were still trying to keep wraps, uh, things under wraps about MJ-12 and what they were figuring out about it. But word leaked out to the UFO community eventually anyway. And by 1987, one of the people from the UFO community named Timothy Good also learned about these files, and I don't know how he got his hands on a copy of them, but he published them in his book called Above Top Secret. So even though Bill and Jamie and Stanton, their friend, all three of them were trying to keep this quiet, it ended up blowing up anyway because this other guy published the pictures <laughs> in his book. What an asshole. So everyone knew at this point, by 1987, everybody knew Majestic 12 was like a real theory, and... These files, because now that everyone has seen them, or these briefing pages that were potential proof, uh, they now have gotten sent to the FBI, who is now investigating the validity of these pictures, because they were worried that someone from high up was leaking top secret intel. Okay. And so the FBI went to the Air Force about it, but the Air Force said that no committee had ever been formed. But then again, that's like a breeding ground for conspiracy theorists to go like, of course, the military would not tell us that it's wink, legit. Wink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So in December 1988, the FBI had to make a statement, and all they said was that basically the Air Force says the documents were fabricated, they're not legit, and the document is completely bogus. So Womp womp. But then again, everyone could say, of course, the FBI would cover for the government. So here, though, are some other legitimate arguments against the Majestic 12 pages that we saw. Oh, okay. So, well, my first one is why would this random hobbyist just get them in the mail, but, you know, that's just me. That is pretty valid. And no one addresses <laughs> that, but someone should and it's oh, apparently okay. few. <laughs> Here I am. Um, Hello. I'm 13th <clears throat> on the list. Uh, I have something <laughs> to say. So, these are some um like formatting things that people noticed in the mm, papers that like don't make sense if they were official classified documents. So one thing is that Rear Admiral Hillencotter, he was a, at the time a Rear Admiral, not an Admiral, as the file says. So oh. somewhere in the file it calls him Admiral. And apparently that's like a two-star difference. Oh, um, so it's a big deal. <laughs> so like they would not have accidentally 
stopped, not called him Rear Admiral. Another thing is that the files were uh, that referenced Roswell called it a Roswell Army Air Base, but in 1947 it would have been called a field and not a base. <gasps> That's so, so cool and interesting that like the semantics make such a big difference. I know you love semantics. I Christine. do. I love them. I can fight about them all day. <laughs> so another thing is that terms used in these documents were too modern for the time so they use the word media instead of press and they use uh-huh. extra and they use extraterrestrial instead of alien which would have been the more common words of the time another thing is that the formatting for the date on the files and the numbering system like the the numbers above on how to file it they were not accurate for how things would have been archived at the time And also President Truman's signature on some of the letters were too identical as if it had just been copied. Interesting. And another thing is that one of the stamps across one of the papers said top secret restricted information, but that wasn't an official stamp until the Nixon administration. (gasps) I see. So it's almost like someone was trying to make this outdated documentation at a later date to make it look like it was Mm -hmm. older than it was. So... Um, further proof, which I don't, I think this is the FBI's doing. I don't, I never got a clear answer on this, but if you look at the papers now on the FBI list, a lot of them literally have the words bogus written <gasps> on them, like all across the paper, like almost like don't even pay attention to this. It's completely bogus. Like void, I think that was, but yeah, like void. Yeah. So I think it, that was the FBI's doing, but the way that in one of the articles I read made it sound was that it already said bogus and like everyone was ignoring that until like the fbi said it literally says bogus what do you think (laughs) i'm pretty sure the fbi wrote bogus i don't think everyone spent years trying to fact check this if it said bogus across it right right but i wanted to make that that if you look at it now you will see that it says bogus all over i see okay now in 1992 there are allegedly even more majestic 12 documents showing up uh to different ufologists um which now that people are questioning how valid it is it's like it's almost like someone is like beating a dead horse and like giving like trying to keep pushing this narrative even though people are already kind of over it right or people are already thinking it's like not valid um some people swear that it was real though so like solid conspiracy theorists were like still taking this super seriously so when more documents were showing up people were still looking into it but other people were like okay like we can already guess that this probably isn't legit. In 1994, another film role was sent to another UFOologist who happened to be friends with Stanton. So it's weird that it's like mm-hmm. keeping it in the family. But the uh, film role had part of a manual instruction list on how to take care of UFO crash remains. Um, like <laughs> okay. a little too on the nose, my friend. And like then a WikiHow page? <laughs> like, a, like if you could print out WikiHow and then rip it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Then there were, like, sketches of UFOs. There was a list of meetup sites between aliens and humans. And then there were investigation reports on the Interplanetary Phenomena Unit. And apparently this investigation happened a month after the Roswell incident and was conducted by people from Majestic 12. Okay. So it was just, like, a lot of, like, very on-the-nose shit. Yeah. It was almost like, we can tell people are losing interest. Let's, like, give you, like more solid looking info so to keep the story going right 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 like over validating it sort of yeah over perfect yes over validating it so interesting 
around the same time, these UFO cover-ups were becoming such a big deal in pop culture. I mean, in the 80s, there were so many movies about aliens. There were, like, I mean, even Star Wars had already happened, like, in the 70s. So people were all about this, like, UFO craze. And it was such a huge deal that, like, the government might be covering something up that apparently the government literally put out two of their own reports addressing everything they could think of about Roswell (laughs) that they were willing to tell the public. And in 94, there was one that was nearly a thousand pages. Whoa. Uh, and it discussed everything they knew about Roswell. And then three years later, they came out with another report that said um, they couldn't trust eyewitnesses uh, from the Roswell crash because they got interviewed too late. And so their stories might be convoluted. And they were giving a bunch of excuses for why eyewitness testimonies to aliens are not real or shouldn't okay. be taken seriously. Okay. Again, conspiracy theorists could say, of course, these are the reports they would put out. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, one of the things they also listed in the report, apparently, was that any aliens people had ever seen were just test crash dummies being carried in weather balloons. Okay. (laughs) Which, by the way, is terrifying in its own right. Yeah, I know. So, uh, Roswell was basically... In their reports, in both of these reports, they were like, everyone needs to stop taking this so seriously. It was not aliens. Uh, it's nothing more than like mass paranoia that started right at, during the Cold War. And it slowly morphed like in society into sci-fi pop culture. And it just never left. And like, we made a mistake writing flying disc in one newspaper article. <laughs> and like, there's a huge fucking craze. So they were like really doubling down the fact that like UFOs and aliens are not real or okay. not something to be taken seriously but the last thing i'm going to talk about is um a little history lesson for you because if they deny all of this why would they have ever even said in 1947 during this roswell incident why would they have so publicly and so confidently said we have collected and are inspecting a literal flying saucer at a military base so Uh... Okay. That's one of the big arguments of like, we can't trust anything you say after that because you, that was the first thing you wanted to tell everybody is that you found a flying fucking saucer. Yeah. Yeah. So why would they have said that at all? So it, here it, is yeah. history, uh, history class with me, your teacher on oh, UFO, UFO enthusiasts and how they, and how they came to be and how they are, how the military portrays or sees UFO enthusiasts. Okay. And, ufo culture at all i'm intrigued so ufo enthusiasts are pretty similar in many ways in the venn diagram it's a very big oval in the middle with conspiracy theorists so when you think about conspiracy theorists usually they are older white conservative men Mm -hmm. who think the government is hiding something and the quote patriotic thing to do is discover all this info and divulge it to the masses Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a lot of ufo enthusiasts think the same way fit the bill so things have not changed shocker um that they people conspiracy theorists were as they are today i feel like i described a lot of conspiracy theorists today they were pretty similar back then when it came to ufos especially during the hype of ufo paranoia uh since it was like a time of worry and all these alien reports were coming in so it just this mass hysteria really fed into conspiracy theorists' belief of aliens. Right. So um, apparently one of the things that they were known to do 
uh, these UFO theorists, is they would regularly stalk Air Force bases for proof of UFOs, and they would bring their cameras with them to try to get pictures and photo evidence of what they had seen at these classified bases. But during the Cold War, the Air Force realized that these conspiracy theorists might actually leak legitimate top secret photos of on like experimental weapons that they planned on using during the Cold War. <sighs> and they feared that Soviets might actually go undercover in these UFO groups <sighs> to either get closer to bases or to find out through photos what fellow enthusiasts were, sure, were finding. Sure. So what's ironic about this is that the UFO enthusiasts who thought that they were being helpful to national security were actually the threat. Great um, point. So this freaked out the Air Force and they were like, what the fuck do we do with all these people coming onto our bases and thinking that like they're gonna like you know, tell the world our Expose, secrets, but yeah. by but by exposing our secrets, they're actually like really putting, putting us, us at risk. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So uh, UFO, especially at three different bases, there was the Kirtland base, which developed modified aircrafts. So they were like taking like planes and airborne vehicles and like zhuzhing them up. Ooh. Um, and then there was the Holloman base, which held classified experimental designs and Area 51, which test flew these experimental designs. Uh-huh. And these were like three of the main bases, Air Force bases, that these UFO groups kept going to. And aka, these is, this is where the Air Force did not want conspiracy theorists going at all. Like, like, these, like, these are the last three we want you to accidentally leak pictures of. Right. So they thought, like, maybe we could just arrest people for trespassing, but then they thought maybe that implied there was something, like, super juicy intel-wise, and they didn't want, like, anyone on the other side to get suspicious. That's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, so the government chose to gaslight them, which, like... Oh, how nice! (laughs) hmm, Probably not the first time or last time that's ever happened. So they decided that they were going to be tricky-tricky, and they confessed that all the UFOs and aliens were real and all of these UFO groups were legitimate in their concerns. And it was you dis- got us. <laughs> and it was to distract them from noticing the actual experimental equipment being built on the Holy base. Holy shit. And this was assuming that the people on the other side would care less about that than like their priority of like what the US's capabilities were during war. They were like, oh, if we if we have them worrying about either aliens or like our nuclear power, like our nuclear uh, weapons, they're going to care more about the nuclear weapons. So if we make this all look like UFO stuff, they're just going to ignore it. Wow. Wow. Um, So this led to several deep layers of the government feeding people disinformation, especially people who were already skeptical and suspicious. But the plus side is that they decided that they were going to use this to their advantage with UFOologists and with UFO groups believing all of this stuff, the Air Force tricked them again and formed alliances with them and said, if we give you info and intel about all these aliens we're finding, aka this is all bullshit, (gasps) but if we give you all this intel on what we're, all these classified you know, UFO reports, then can you tell us what other people in your UFO groups are up to? Because they were afraid that they might be like Soviet spies undercover. So basically they made this 
they started fabricating fake proof of aliens just to get these UFO groups to turn on each other so they could find out what everyone was keeping track of and what pictures everyone had. And we're and positive they were doing that. They're not just now saying that as like a. This like was apparently like a whole fucking thing. Oh I like my had. God. So the nail in the coffin on whether or not the Majestic 12 is legitimate or not is that Jamie and Bill, who found these this undeveloped film and found the original briefing papers, Bill Moore eventually admitted to having <gasps> an alliance with the Air Force <gasps> even before Majestic 12 was on their radar, like before he ever Aww. knew anything about it. So... A lot of people still say the Majestic 12 is legit. And to be fair, I definitely believe there's a council somewhere keeping tabs on UFO shit. Oh, absolutely. That much I don't doubt. Yeah. Maybe it's not the Majestic 12, but there's some Majestic 12 inspired group, I guess. Yeah. But apparently he was telling the Air Force about his friends in his UFO group. And he thought that the Majestic 12 files were like a reward for doing a good job at like outing all of his friends and what they were up to and what they were learning about UFOs from sneaking onto the bases. So he ended up getting deemed a traitor in the UFO community. Yeah, Um, no shit. (laughs) But one piece of intel that Bill told the Air Force about was this guy named Paul who was building equipment for even the Air Force, but he was building a bunch of like crazy instruments and he was a big UFO fan. He believed that aliens were living on Air Force bases, and so he started taking his own plane and flying above the bases and taking pictures, and he accidentally got these pictures of aircrafts that were not supposed... They were, like, super classified. Like, he should have not gotten pictures of those aircrafts. And so the to shut him up, the Air Force said that uh, they were, like, UFOs and aliens were involved in the crash, and they even built other fake alien related stuff so that paul would take a picture of it sneak like like as if he was getting away with it but they like placed like planted things that paul would take pictures of so he would get distracted or misled to think they were aliens or in case Um, it got leaked it like wasn't actual information that could be used against them exactly so uh but apparently bill was helping them like was helping conspire with the air force to like trick paul who I guess might have been one of his friends. But anyway, Bill's credibility completely nosedived when it came to his like yeah. backing that the Majestic 12 was a thing. Um, there's still a lot of controversy around it. And many people note that in the same year as the Roswell incident, even if the Majestic 12 isn't real, it is interesting that the same year of this UFO crash, uh, the National Security Council and the CIA were created. And only a few years later, so was the NSA. So they're uh-huh. like, something happened that stirred the pot and well, all these councils start getting War, created. But... <laughs> okay. You're thinking like a like a realist here. I mean, so, I'm just saying, I know there was a lot of uh, uh, groups formed during that time. Um, but On a show called, uh, on the show Ancient Aliens, mm. uh, one guy hacked into NASA and the Pentagon servers and actually found what he considers proof of Majestic 12, although we don't know what that proof is. Um, so hmm, what could that mean? He's just like, trust me. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, you you just, I promise. And then there's also people who think that the M in, uh, MJ 12 might not actually mean majestic, but majority because there's a free, there's allegedly a Freemasons alien contact program called the committee of the majority. And it's supposed to lead to like a new world order. So they think that MJ 12 with all these powerful people might actually be 
it affiliated with the Freemasons. So some people think it might not just be aliens, but like world domination. Um, <laughs> others say that Majestic 12 could have existed, but maybe is now defunct, or maybe one of the departments is in connection with Area 51. Some people think it could be bogus. And the last thing I'm going to say is Roswell is obviously a massive UFO tourist destination now, but it does have an annual UFO festival, which is where we should go the next time you're pregnant. I was going to say, or just the next year so I can imbibe in some alien-themed cocktails. But yes, I am definitely in for our 2.0 baby moon. (laughs) Anyway, that was uh, the story of the Majestic 12. Wow, dude, I just, I think alien shit is so fascinating. And then whenever the government gets involved, it like... Instead of, like, making it less likely to me, it just adds more creep factor to it. Because it's, like, every time the government gets involved in such high levels, I'm, like, I don't know. There must be something going on if they're so concerned about. I refuse to believe that there isn't at least one legitimate pseudo-Majestic 12 group out there. There has where, to like, be. High-ends and just experts for the in the field. of keeping an eye out. You know what I mean? Like Even if they're just, be. like, hall monitors, you know? But, yeah. like... Just keeping tabs open. No, I completely agree. (sighs) Fascinating. I love alien stories. Thank you, Em. That made my day. You're welcome. I mean, it would have been nice if it were a space cowboy, but next time. I can I can find you a space cowboy. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll even if I have to make it up, I'll her scene sh- shifter. Listen, we got xenon out of our own brains, so <laughs> I'm sure we could find that one. was not a work of our brains. That was a work of your hands, and your hands, <laughs> your hands crafted that gift. So <laughs> my my mental instability, yeah, it's beautiful. Work <laughs> work. <laughs> hey, your mental instability gave us xenon, and you double tap on and highlighted lemon. text and lemon. Look, think about it's, it. I'm not saying mental illness is 100% a bad thing, you know? Like, there is some good that comes out of it. Use it to its advantage. Yeah, you get it. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind, especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things. But Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? 
We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink oh yeah look it's just report card <laughs> oh roughing it oh roughing it that's uh, so sweet let's see oh he played some today Look at him. He usually gets low energy. I'm not much of a player. I prefer to just hang out and watch my friends play. But today he got medium energy. I played some with my friends and rested some. Okay, that makes me very happy. That's so sweet. It's very rare that he gets that. <laughs> so, like, you know what? He is doing what he needs to do, okay? Oh, some, he's like me on the playground. Like, he just kind of skirts on the outside and, like, eats grass and looks out the fence longingly. It's like me in elementary school. <laughs> yeah. Just a little okay. bit emo. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, on that note, I have a story for you today, Em. And this is a story uh, that I discovered on the show I've been binging like crazy. Gosh, uh, what? It's called Disappeared. <laughs> oh, okay. And it's on Discovery Plus, which probably by now, anyone who follows me on social media knows that it's like the only like basically brand I work with at this point, because I'm like, it's just so on brand that I'm like, I watch it anyway all the time. I might as well, you know... I also steal them. your password. <laughs> yeah, and I know. I made you a profile. Did you see I it yet? Oh, it was so sweet. Did you see it? No. Obviously why? not, because you just called it sweet. Okay. Why? What did you name it? Oh, you. Every whenever you want to watch Ghost Adventures, you'll find out. I'm gonna go um, find out while you're talking. I'm gonna go find this thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's uh, probably like ugly poopy head or something. Isn't well, it? you're pretty much on on point there. It's really <laughs> not far off. For um, you. Okay, hang on. Poophead! Oh my gosh. <laughs> a picture of an alien. It's just poophead. Um, how did I guess that so... Uh, it's um, actually scary how quickly you just weird. knew. You that just knew. Um, it was like a classic poophead move, you know? It's just it's classic poophead action, um, and that's what I did, so I apologize. But yes, I've been watching a ton of Discovery Plus, as usual, and I found this disappeared episode, and I was like... At first, I was like, oh, this is, uh, as always, like, this is just sad and whatever. And then it took a twist, and I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't see that coming. And so it ends up being, huh. like, way more bananas than I expected. So I'm I'm excited Ooh. for kind of a twisty-turny episode today. I love a twisty-turny, topsy-turvy situation. <laughs> I know, right? So this is the story of the disappearances of Terrence Williams and Felipe Santos. Mm. So we are in the South. We are in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And 27-year-old Terrence Dion Williams, uh, he is moving from Chattanooga down to Florida. And Terrence is really close to his family. He's, um, he's his mother especially, they have like a very close bond, which of course makes it all the sadder when, when the show starts going and she's being interviewed. But mm -hmm. um, they're extremely close. His mother's name is Marsha. She's kind of a recurring character in the uh, story. And Terrence was moving down there and it looked like a like just a 
it's always I feel like it always happens this way in this show where it's like they were getting their life together. They were finally like Ugh. feeling on top of the world and like happy and content, you know, and it's like it, it's always that they either had the perfect life and they were perfect people or they weren't perfect <laughs> people but were like finally like getting themselves on track yes. and like, feeling good about themselves. And it's always something happening. hopeful. It's always like the positive gets smashed into a million pieces. It's yeah. always hopeful. So <sighs> Terrence was moving down um, and according to the disappeared blog in 1995, he had pleaded guilty to a robbery and was sentenced to 11 months in prison, part of which was probation. Um, and he also spent 50 days in jail after a DUI charge and then char- uh, driving on a revoked license. And he had separated from his partner. So he had a child support case coming up um, in relevance to his four children. And if he didn't show up to this court case on January 14, 2004, it would have meant he had to serve 60 j- days in jail and pay a $5,000 fine. Um, but he was also very close to his kids. He was, like, very concerned with paying child support. Like, it wasn't – he wasn't the type to kind of run from that. He was that on top sense. of it. He was trying he to be was on top, top of, it. of it. Yes. So Terrence had just gotten a new job working at the Pizza Hut in Bonita Springs, Florida. And Ooh. he moved into – I know. What year was this? 2004. That was still Pizza Hut Prime. Okay. Pizza Hut what? It was like Pizza Hut Prime when like like everyone was going to Pizza Hut. It was like the cool said place. Pride. I was like, did they make their own? I festival? was pretty proud of Pizza Hut. They <laughs> had some pretty, good stuff. They have something to be proud of, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so he had started a job there, and he moved into a new apartment in East Naples uh, called Randall Circle, and he shared this apartment with a roommate. And so being in Florida, he was able to see his mom way more often. Um, and according to the Disappeared blog, he and Marsha would speak on the phone daily, which is very sweet. That's and so sweet. more than I talked to my mom and she lives was, down the street. <laughs> I was literally going to say, don't tell my mom that don't that's tell mom. even an option. <laughs> I think my mom would be like, don't tell Christine that's an option because she won't leave me alone. <laughs> but yeah, don't tell either of us. Um, And he would spend Sundays driving uh, with her to the mall, shopping. They would eat dinner together. And he drove his mom to work every day. So they were, like, extremely close. Um, And if she wasn't free, his housemate, his roommate Jason, would drive him in. um, And Terrence had a suspended license. So at this point, he wasn't able to drive. So if he needed a ride, the roommate, either his mother or his roommate would drive him. So, at around midnight on January 11, 2004, Terrence was invited out to a party with some of his Pizza Hut co-workers. So, Pizza Hut party. Pizza party. Oh, my God. So fun. I bet that was a good time. You know, like, at a party, you want to have someone bring a whole thing of pizza. And when you work at Pizza Hut, you could just bring, like, five pies for free. But you're probably sick of pizza. That You know what? I was like, that's genius. But then you're right. You're probably around it all day. It's like, can we When I worked at Chipotle... The last thing I wanted to eat was a burrito. I mean, it makes like a if, whole lot of sense. If I found out there was going to be like a Chipotle like taco party, I'd be like, ugh, I'll just eat. That's when I, I need to there. partner with another fast food chain and be like, you guys bring, um, you guys bring Taco Bell. We'll bring pizza. We'll trade. Well, that's why you got to work at one of those like d- those like you know they've got like a KFC Taco yep, Bell yep, combo. Yep, 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 the combo. You got to be friends with everyone there, and then the KFC people get tacos. Create taco an Bell alliance people get chicken. of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, Wow, genius. So they had, they had a pizza party, probably sans pizza, probably plus tacos. I don't really know. Um, <laughs> don't quote me on that. But they had a party and he clearly wanted to go out, but uh, he had a suspended license. And so he was not supposed to be driving. 
but he decided to push his luck and he decided to drive to the party anyways this is where it all as we can probably guess starts to go downhill um and get sad so he had this white cadillac that he was very proud of that he loved and he decided to drive to the party anyways And the following morning, Jason found it strange when he discovered that Terrence wasn't home. Jason called Terrence's mom, Marsha, which I love that the roommate is, like, close with I know, like, how invested is this mother with, like, I love, like, honestly, though, I'm, uh, my mom and RJ text each other, and it's sometimes (laughs) an odd pairing. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that makes sense. (laughs) I guess it makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. That's kind of cute. Um, so Marsha knew this wasn't a case of Terrence having disappeared himself because he, as you know, like talked to her every day, basically. And it wasn't like him to not tell anybody if he was going to stay over somewhere or not come back until the next day. Um, and so they, she reported a, she filed a missing persons report pretty much immediately. And according to Chattanoogan.com, which just, what a fun name, uh, a few days went by and no one heard from Terrence. And of course, now his mother is like in full panic because she literally talks to him daily. Oh, um, yeah. And he depends on her for a ride to work. So just very odd. Um, and of course, the police, you know, are resistant at first. He's a grown man. So it can be really hard to submit a missing persons report on somebody who's a grown up. And, you know, they say like, oh, well, someone's allowed to leave without telling right. anybody. So um, it's kind of hard in these instances to file a report. But She's unable to get assistance from the police, so she petitions her family in Tennessee to help track down her son. And although they don't find Terrence, within a few days, they find his white Cadillac. Ooh. And the Cadillac has been sitting in a wrecking company's parking lot. (gasps) Oh, it got towed. Yes, exactly. And so knowing he was driving the car without a license or insurance, his family fears he's been arrested. And that's why his car has been taken and he is not responding to his phone calls. Uh Uh-huh. So they quickly learned the car was towed from a cemetery the morning after Terrence was last seen at the party. And so Marsha goes directly to the cemetery to question the employees, and she's told a pretty weird story. (gasps) So (laughs) she goes to the cemetery, and they're like, yeah, we know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, They had seen an officer, a police officer, pat Terrence down and then put him in the back of a police car. Oh, no. And then the car was towed shortly thereafter. And so they're like, oh, okay, so we have a lead. Like, the police arrested him for driving without a license. Yeah, they got to know where he is. Yeah, someone has to know. Um, so the police officer who had signed the tow ticket for the car was an officer named Stephen Calkins. <laughs> Good old okay. Steve. Steve becomes... I like that it's like almost like... Oh, wait. S- Stephen Hawking? No, that's stupid. <laughs> what? I thought it sounded a lot like Stephen Hawking. Thank God I can edit these now. <laughs> sorry even i even my own brain was like shut the fuck up i saw you like pause and like regret it already and then i was like maybe i should just keep talking but then i was like it's too late emma has to get it out it's too much it's okay it slant rhyme sort of not really stupid just it's not worth my time or yours or anyone's oh don't worry i've already counted the seconds that have been wasted away in my life thank you (laughs) Um, just kidding Stephen Calkins uh, he is the officer who signed the tow ticket so of course they go to Stephen Calkins and they're like hey you towed Terrence's car and he goes Terrence hmm I don't remember that and also I don't know anyone named Terrence oh fuck off well unless (sighs) unless someone like stole this man's car and pretended to be a police officer 
fuck and had his badge and his okay am i allowed to say fuck that on this so far are you allowed to say fuck that on the podcast no i mean like am i like are we allowed to hate this person Oh, you can hate whomever you want, and I... Okay, currently fuck this person until yeah. <laughs> I find out that, like, they're the hero or something. Okay. I do always love when you kind of are hesitant about, like, <laughs> hating on somebody. It's been enough times... you in the right direction. <laughs> it's been enough times where I've, like, cussed someone out, and then I find out, like, two seconds later that, like, like... And they were the victim. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yikes. And I'm like, okay. no. And so then I'm like, no, no, no. That's the one who was murdered. And you're like, oh, I loved them. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. So Officer Calkins is like, who's Terrence? And they're like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like been, what, a day, a few weeks. Right. Um, so according to a great blog that I love called It's Crime O'Clock Somewhere um, by a woman named Kylie. Geo's home from daycare. <gasps> Happy puppy honey. He's sneezing everywhere. Okay. Oh, he's that means he wants to play. He's rubbing his face all over the floor. Uh, <laughs> that's charming. Okay. Um, so he plays the Terrence Who card, and they're like, uh, that's sketchy because it's only been a few days. You don't remember signing this toe card right. with your signature on it. So according to this blog, it's crime o'clock somewhere. Um, on top of Officer Calkins having signed the tow ticket, a witness at the cemetery had overheard Officer Calkins spouting some racist remarks uh, over the dispatch on the night of Terrence's disappearance. And interestingly enough, on the disappeared episode, they have the actual audio <gasps> of the back and forth. And it's like, oh, it's like skin crawling. Yeah, it's vomitous. Um, cause you can hear like knowing the story context of the story and then hearing the call is like just so ick. Mm. Um, so at one point Calkins had commented, uh, oh, there's a homie Cadillac. Like he sees like a homie Cadillac, okay, you know, next. he calls it. Yeah. Next. Um, and he says he, it's blocking a road. And remember he literally said he has no clue about this Cadillac. He has no clue who Terrence is. Like, so right. there's literal dispatch audio of him being like, joking about you know this cadillac like, being in the even road. if you have amnesia it happened my friend so yes, yes. let's get it together like yeah. you must you either have you need to see a doctor or you're full <laughs> yeah. of shit yep and then to contradict himself again at 1 12 p.m on january 12th calkins had also asked dispatch for a background check on a man named terrence williams so he literally requested a background check on terrence williams and now he's going i've never met a terrence i don't know who that is um, mm-hmm. So hearing this, Marsha and her husband, Terrence's stepfather, filed their first complaint against Steve Calkins. And because this was escalating into a bigger issue like within the police force, um, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement and FBI got involved. And when Calkins was confronted with the evidence, like the literal audio of dispatch of him like joking around about the car and calling him by his name, Terrence, uh-huh. um, and the multiple witnesses at the cemetery who saw this happen... Um, according to the Claremont Sun, Calkins changed his story. Wow, what a shock. Uh, Kel Surprise. Kel you know, Surprise. I just, I'm always blown away. Like, I certainly could not get away with, like, I don't know what this guy did so far. I'm going to assume maybe like, nothing a great. Let's just put it but that like, way. But, like, I don't, I could never, I know I can never get away with anything because there's so many GPS trackers and cameras and whatever like there's recording so, equipment everything there's recorded. so much stuff in society that like i know i could not get away with something bad which by the way shocks me that so many people do get away with it but also like for this guy to just be like oh yeah i'm fine i'm gonna be in the clear it's like yeah you were literally being recorded like i've never heard of him and it's like 
two days ago, you called somebody and asked for a full background check on like, first and last name. At least turn off the camera if you're going to, like, well, yeah. I mean, many do. Okay, yeah, anyway. Anything. It's just so, yeah, it's, like, brazen. It's so brazen of, like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, end. like, be, like, I, I, I shy from using the word, like, entitled, but it feels, like, very, like, bold very bold it does. to be like it's, it it does and it is somewhat entitled of like well what are you going to do about it <laughs> like, yeah um so that's exactly what happened is he changed his story immediately um so he now says he had pulled Terrence over because his car appeared in distress which mm. again goes against like the whole homey Cadillac thing but he says oh the car was seemed to be having trouble um, and so he said he stopped. He then Terrence, the the driver, asked him for a ride to work at a local Circle K. So he agreed, okay. and he drove him to Circle K. Okay. Now, <laughs> there's some weird things here. First of all, do we remember where Terrence works? Oh, the hut. The hut. <laughs> he doesn't work at a Circle K. So people are like, that's odd, but okay. Uh-huh. Um, and so Wyatty asked him to drop him off there. And, like, when they asked Officer Calkins this, he says, uh, well, maybe he lied and was giving me a false, giving me a false place of work uh, to drop him off so that he was, mm. could have, so it's like, I guess, yeah, sure. But the other weird thing is Terrence had a suspended driver's license. Like, why would Officer Calkins just be like, sure, I'll drive you to work. No problem. No ticket. Right. Nothing. Like, see ya. Yeah, like, um, he definitely, like, could have, like, reasonably gone Yeah. Out. You know. Like pretty big trouble. Like he yeah. had just been on probation. He was driving with a suspended license. Like it's not great. Uh, so they were like, "Well, why would he just let him walk free? Like that's so strange." Um, and he just was like, "Oh, I felt bad. He seemed like a nice guy." And they were like, "All right." So just like an odd change of pace here with this story. But now they had a new lead, and they were like, "Okay, fine. Circle K. We'll check out the Circle K." So, when police went through Circle K's CCTV footage, shocker, there is no sign of Calkins or Terrence on the night of the disappearance. So, people who were working at Circle K on that night also never saw a police car in the parking lot. So, that huh. was another odd thing. Yeah. And uh, despite all this, Calkins stuck to his story that Terrence had asked for a ride to his job at the Circle K, and that's what he did, and he just let him off with a warning. So, that's okay. the story. So Calkins continued to butt heads with witnesses because, again, the bystanders at the cemetery are, like, pretty adamant about what they saw. They estimated that Williams and Calkins' exchange happened in about half an hour. But Officer Calkins says, oh, it was it was more like a few minutes. It was, like, maybe 10 minutes max. Okay. But remember, first he said he didn't even have this exchange. So it's like, who right. are we going to believe here? Okay. And also, like, I feel like if you're going to... If you're the nice enough cop that's going to let someone who's, like, actually, like, kind of in trouble yeah. like, get off with a warning, mm-hmm. I feel like that makes you feel like a safe enough cop to, like, tell the real story about where you work. Yeah, if you're already, like, fu- like in the clear. I can imagine if this guy was threatening, then, like, you wouldn't want to tell him where you work. Yes, if you, you didn't know? want him to know your identity or whatever. But if he did, like, you're right. Like, sincerely say, like, you're fine just tell me where you were i get it i've been there i'll give you a ride (laughs) yeah 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 it doesn't make much sense exactly so they're saying it took a half hour he's like no it was only a couple minutes and when he (laughs) also didn't happen but also i forget who that is i have no clue (laughs) 
um terrence who what uh so also he when he was confronted with these discrepancies he stormed out in anger alleging that the sheriff's office was twisting his words and they were out to get him for political reasons because it was an election year because he worked for the sheriff's office so like now he's turning this into like a a victim thing like i'm being attacked um it's like cool that's not it's not really about you right now but i guess it is like, so where is the guy then since you're yeah oh victim oh victim please tell us where the guy is yeah then why don't you fix this please like make right. it make it all go away very quickly you could not be the victim if you just tell us what's going on yeah exactly like you're the one acting suspicious so the fbi went through calkin's gps like you said there's fucking gps on a police car and so they go through his gps to search for all the relevant areas that could be linked to the case but they couldn't find anything his phone records also weren't helping him out because it there was no indication that Calkins ever called or got in touch with the Circle K store to confirm the story or to check up. So nothing with Circle K that seemed to just be kind of made up. Um, and remember that it comes back into play. It's just this is just the wildest. Noted. Story. So with still no sign of her son, Marsha Williams filed another complaint against Steve off, uh, Officer Steve Calkins. And with his poor conduct, lack of cooperation, uh, he three polygraph tests that showed evidence of deception, a.k.a. he failed three polygraphs. Solid. (laughs) Derogatory language and negligence that is now like publicly released on audio. Uh, All of this um, led to him being fired. So he was fired from the police force. And the disappeared blog writes how Calkins appealed the ruling, but it was upheld and his dismissal stood. He refused to appear before a grand jury, was not charged with a crime, and subsequently moved to Cedar Rapids, Iowa with his family. So he just was like, mm. And that was just the end of it? Bye. Um, almost. Not quite. Okay. Not quite. In the grand scheme of things, the story is very much not over. So well, I, I remember <laughs> you saying the, dis- the disappearances S-s-s-s-s. of <laughs> multiple people. Great. That is exactly right. Um. So, Marsha Williams is contacted unexpectedly by Miami's Mexican consulate. Okay. And after hearing about the tragedy of Martha's son's case, the consulate thought the case sounded strangely familiar. Oh, shit. And it turns out that Steve Calkins was a name that had been floating around the Mexican consulate recently um, for very similar and suspicious reasons. Oh, God. So I was going to say, because I was like, if this guy's already getting fired and we haven't even gotten through multiple disappearances, where do the others come in? And apparently there's a prequel to before. the story. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. They, are, they already got happened. it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> um, a couple months before Terrence's disappearance on October 14th, 2003, at 630 a.m., a young man named Felipe Santos was on his way to work with his two brothers when they got involved in a small fender bender. And this was not good because he did not have, he was living here in the United States from Mexico, didn't have proper identification. Um, so already like bad to get mixed up in the police force in that incident. Um, but he is in a fender bender. He has to be there for, you know, to talk to officers and uh, guess who fucking shows up on scene uh, to. Uh, is it Mr. Stephen Hawking? <laughs> I think so. Stephen Hawking. He rolls up in his wheelchair. No, it's not Stephen Hawking, unfortunately. That might have been a better ending, but no. Uh, That would have been a much better ending, because then they would have probably just hung out. Like, talked about stars. Talked about time travel. Cosmos. Yeah, Yeah, it would have been a good time. 
Wow, what I would give to be friends with Stephen. If Hawking. only. Okay. R.I.P. Um, so, uh, Steve Hawkins shows up. Wow, how shocking. Um, he was caught in a pickle. He was driving without a license, without insurance. And so he was put in the back of the police car, having been cited for reckless driving and driving without insurance. And the police officer who had stopped him was a lovely man named Steve Calkins. Uh, it's worth saying at this point that Felipe Santos is Mexican. Terrence Williams is black and Steve Calkins is white. I don't know if anybody guessed otherwise, but that's pretty. I mean, maybe maybe we shouldn't be assuming things, but I certainly did. Like, yeah, uh, based on the derogatory statements and stuff, it's at least there's definitely some racism happening. So, yes, mm-hmm. this is just to give a full picture. This is where all three of them stood um, and after this incident, the 24-year-old Felipe was never seen or heard from again. So Whoa. basically the last time anyone saw him was being put into the back of Steve Calkins's car. Wow. So uh, Felipe Santos had been born January 1st, 1979, and had recently moved to Florida illegally to earn some money doing work on farm fields and construction sites to send back to his wife, Apollonia Cruz Cortez, who was taking care of their newborn baby. And when Santos's boss heard that Felipe had been driven away in a police car, they immediately contacted the jail, thinking he'd be there and that they could bail him out. But he wasn't there. So when authorities asked Calkins what had happened after you drove away with him in your car, he explained, mm-hmm. oh, I decided to let Felipe go because he was cooperative. And they said, oh, what did you do? And he said, oh, I dropped him off at the local Circle K. <gasps> oh, so like... This is just the same fucking story. He just yeah. literally, he's so fucking lazy. He couldn't even come up with a different fucking, a different fucking, a different alibi. Store. He couldn't say CVS. He said fucking Circle K and they were like, wait, 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 wait. He couldn't, he couldn't say like, it would be really ironic if he said Pizza Hut. But like, I mean, <laughs> like, wow. Okay. So this guy really just doesn't even try. You live in Florida. You could turn this way and be like, Walgreens? I don't know. Like, Well, it, also it makes sense now if he was saying like like why he was so like prepared to get away with it you know what i mean yeah he'd already done it he'd already done it probably they put him on the spot like oh where'd you go and probably he just couldn't think of anything and just said circle k because it was what he said last time (laughs) right he was like Like, "Uh uh-oh i've been here before uh it just repeated the same story so when when the mexican consulate is like wait a second circle k like this is same guy same storyline same mysterious disappearance and circle k like it's just a, within months apart it's very 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 fishy so obviously. fishy i would at, at that exact moment i'd be like okay we're done here like yeah oh pack come, it up like come back from fucking iowa or wherever you are uh <laughs> right. i don't yeah. know iowa i don't remember mm. um so when they hear this marcia uh here's this and this she learns that the santos family also filed a missing persons report but obviously also did not find felipe and according to a 2012 news press article the whole investigation felt really off to felipe's family for obvious reasons um his wife questioned the quality of the investigation citing the fact that she had never been contacted by investigators when they were investigating his disappearance really his own wife they never she's like nobody ever asked me or like reached out to me contacted me i'd be pissed I'd be pissed too. Are you I kidding mean, me? Who's the wow. first person you talk to when someone goes missing? Their fucking spouse? Like, hello. Yeah. It's so very, Whoa. very sketchy, very fishy that, like, oh, we investigated it. Like, obviously not. Yeah. Not very well. No, you did not. No. 
So by hearing the news about the similar tragedy that the Santos family were going through, the common link was obviously very, very clear. Steve Calkins, um, who <laughs> had previously been a farmer from Illinois, was a 17-year veteran road deputy with a clean disciplinary record who had worked for the sheriff's office since 1987. Uh, he is married, has three children, and he had been recognized twice for, quote, saving lives and has many letters of thanks in his file from Citizens Helped since he worked... Sorry, since he joined the sheriff's office in 1987, and that's according to the sheriff himself, Don Hunter. Huh. Uh, these included helping to lift an overturned pickup off a man who was suffocating underneath... And in 1997, he helped give CPR to a 78-year-old man suffering a heart attack. Wow. Um, but I guess, you know, that doesn't clear you of being a horrible it only takes racist. One, only yeah. takes one, one really awful thing for us yeah. to, our entire opinion to change. And, like, the fact that this Santos thing wasn't even on his record and, like, that had happened several months before. So Which makes me whatever. also wonder, were there other things on his record, like, you know? what else hasn't come up? Yeah. Um, internal investigators found that there was no clear reason Calkins would have uh, targeted Santos, except I'm like, well, I find a clear reason, but okay. Uh, right. Um, but Sheriff Don Hunter has further commented that we have found no evidence of any foul play, but this is too strange, too odd for me to dismiss it offhand as mere coincidence. In my 25 years with the department, I haven't experienced anything like this. So at least the sheriff himself is like, listen, I don't know how to explain this one away. Like... At we, least, look, at least he's on top of it. Like, at least, at least he admits that, that something's up. Yeah. Um. I mean, to be fair, he let him just move off to Iowa, but without any, like, you know. Not a cute look. Not a cute all. look, but whatever. Um, not at all. He's also gone on to say that both, this is also kind of problematic, but he's also gone on to say, the sheriff has, that both men had reasons to drop from sight. And there is some evidence that Santos may have headed to Mexico. And everyone's like, well, what is it? And the family's like, right. we don't have it. <laughs> like, yeah, the wife, the wife is like, let let me know why he went to yes, Mexico. Yeah, well, whenever you decide to give me a call, Ooh, eventually, let me know. That's a problematic statement there. Like, hmm. both had reason to drop from... <laughs> like, tell me tell me what they were, then. Yeah, like, what? what, like what? And I guess the one for... Um, Terrence was the custody court hearing, but his his mom was like, no, no, like he was ready for that. He was prepared to pay it. He had always pre been prepared to pay it. This was not an issue of him trying to like escape payments. You know, it's wow. <sighs> so anyway, on August 30th, 2018, Marsha, who obviously has not given up um, on bringing about justice for her son, joined forces with none other than Tyler Perry, a uh, beloved filmmaker of Medea fame. <laughs> That guy is all over the place. He every, is all over the place. I don't know what is up with him, but every like time... ubiquitous Tyler Perry. I feel like he's this generation's Bill Murray. Where oh my it's God, just, yeah. It's just like, how did he show up in this narrative? What what is he, he owns a baseball team too? What is going on? It blew my, it blew my mind when... Uh, I mean, this is nothing like this story, but when like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle when they like needed a place to stay and like Tyler Perry just offered his house to them. It's like, what? Listen, what are you doing? Not? I just love when, when celebrities are kind of like, well, I can just do what I want it's now, like, I guess. I'm it's here. Like, so I, take I'm just going to do my thing. Um, you guys can take mm. it or leave it. Yeah. Love so it. he gets involved, which I love because obviously this is like a social justice thing. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he and Marsha, he helped Marsha file a wrongful death lawsuit against Steve Calkins. Wow. So Tyler Perry offered a $200,000 reward for critical tips in the investigation, which is just awesome. 
Um, but unfortunately, a judge ruled that the evidence against Calkins was all circumstantial. And the arbitrator found the case didn't show Calkins in a good light, but ruled the plaintiff's arguments lacked evidence to show that his acts actually led to William's disappearance. So mm. they're like, it doesn't look great, but like, we can't prove it. And it's like, it's just so frustrating. I'd be like, can you please look harder? But like, you <laughs> can though, right? <laughs> like, just squint a little more. We'll read yeah. It one more time. We could sit here in silence and stare at each other until it's too uncomfortable for you to not go look a little harder. That's a great you know? tactic, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I learned that in journalism school. Just hold out on the discomfort until somebody breaks and don't make it be you. Make it be yeah. the other person. <laughs> Too bad I always broke it anyway, even though oh, I was I'd one. always break. I, you wouldn't even have a chance to hear the silence for me to break. I would just be like, <laughs> okay, I'm talking now. Okay, Hello. I gave that's you a chance. A, that's why I have a podcast. Poor Allison. I, her family, they're like really comfortable in silences. Like, and I can't tolerate it. <laughs> and like, ev- even uh, they've made it in. I don't know if it was because of me. I know Allison's listening to this right now. Allison, tell me when you when Uh-oh, you tell see us me. the truth. Her and her sister do this thing where, like, they intentionally don't say anything on the phone just to, like, <gasps> like ride out the silence. I, like, they, I've heard them a few times go, like, they'll, they'll keep saying, like, okay. Like, when they're about to hang up, they'll go, like, okay, I love you. And then the other one goes, all right, I love you. And then it gets really, like, slower and slower and more and more silent. And eventually I have to be, like, can the two of you hang up? I like can't talk. Like, I can't it's do the it. Tension. The tension is too much. Oh it's my like, God. I can't take it. And so I don't know if they do it because like, I don't know if they do it when I'm not around. around. I have no idea, but like, it makes me so uncomfortable. I, I was raised by a woman who's terrified of silence and now I am. And the fact that I'm with someone who loves silence, I'm like, we are and not meant to be job, in this. Your job this relies space. on you to be not silent all the time. Yeah. I mean, well, a lot it's of times people spot. will be like, wow, you're a social butterfly. And it's like, no, I'm just scared of silence. I'll just talk until you like me. <laughs> yeah, the I don't social know awkwardness like, leads me to not shut up because I need exactly. to like, make sure everybody's having a good time. Whew. Good times. I don't know. We Sorry, we, I derailed you there. Sorry about no, that. No, it's good. I love talking about our, all our issues. There's so many. <laughs> um, we, could, we could do this forever. So they said basically he sure sure he didn't cooperate he lied uh to law enforcement and he got fired but like we can't say that what he did led to the disappearance and it was like you put him in his car in your car and he never showed up again two people yeah but okay um so the civil rights attorney representing the family of Terrence Williams was named Benjamin Crump and he forgot to file a motion in time so the court's decision could only be undone by a judge. So when he asked for a new trial stating that the COVID-19 pandemic made hitting that deadline really difficult and that's why it was delayed, ah. which is like so frustrating because mm-hmm. um, I know the courts got like fizzed by COVID oh, um, yes. big time. And so despite that, in February 2021, Judge Lauren Brody ruled that the arbitration was final and Calkins has been cleared of any wrongdoing no matter what. He can only be held accountable for the alleged homicides if there's an actual criminal charge, not a civil charge against him. So we can only hope that something more evidence comes to light. But in thinking about the criminal charges against him, one theory that makes sense of what happened in this case is kind of where I guess a lot of people's minds went. I think mine definitely. Um, Do you remember Neil Stonechild and the Starlight Tours episode that I did Mm -hmm. in Canada where it was the, the Starlight Tours? Do you remember what those are? Um, no, but I remember asking you if it was the Hollywood bus <gasps> tour, <laughs> like an asshole. Was it, it's something about, is it, 
native people yes so people so uh it was the disappearance of first nation 17 year old neil stonechild in saskatoon uh saskatchewan uh, and it led to the exposure of this unspoken systemically racist practice amongst practice amongst the police force where police in saskatoon would target a first nations or aboriginal man who was out drinking coax them mm-hmm. into the police car mislead them saying they're going to drop them off at the drunk tank but Police would then drive them to the outskirts of Saskatoon, kick them out of the car, and let them try to walk their way home through freezing temperatures, which often ended up in death because of, you know, um, fucking hypothermia, frostbite. And they would would end up dying. And it was sort of like, I mean, it's murder, but it was like indirect murder because they would be like, oh, we just dropped them off. But like... You it's like full negligence like yeah. full in- oh that's what i said last time too. i was like intentional negligence yes exactly like it's like an oxymoron but it's like you knew what you were do what what it would lead to like, like you, you wanted an out but you did it so that you would have an out you, yeah, yeah it's it's like fully like you didn't hold the gun and shoot it but like you it yeah, yeah you yeah. set the perfect setup for somebody to be killed and and you did it intentionally yeah. and for very horrific reasons so that's what a lot of people kind of look at this and go like, well, maybe um, maybe he dropped them off in the Everglades and said, like, find your fucking way home, bud. Oof, you know, wow. I mean, we have proof that he was racist. We have two guys who were not white and <laughs> who got in the back of his car. Plenty of witnesses yep. and never were seen again. Uh, both went to Circle K, which sounds like a euphemism now. And... Uh. Uh, just never showed up again and it's like i would check circle k man i would dig that whole place up and be like what is going on over here circle k what like the basement <laughs> i don't know like that the surrounding property i'd be like well maybe- that's the other thing is like the cameras they went through every minute of footage there's no there's nothing nobody showed up there so like he just said circle k and like what did he mean i don't know maybe he just yeah. made something up um so some people think like they dropped them off he dropped them off at like the everglades or somewhere where they like wouldn't presumably find their way back or die of heat exposure who knows just horrible um but either way terrence and felipe have still not been found um and after five years of being missing they have both been declared dead so benjamin crump the civil rights attorney uh who represents the family of terrence has demanded calkins come forward to speak the truth of what happened um he has commented the last person to be with them that anybody witnessed was the then collier county sheriff's deputy calkins these two young men disappeared off the face of the earth and the last man to see them was this deputy his stories were so inconsistent so unbelievable and even though he had all those inconsistencies there were no charges brought this lawsuit is going to formally say what people for the last 14 years have been informally saying that he intentionally murdered terence williams and felipe santos and he continued at one point, my God, it's long overdue that he answers questions. Calkin sleeps every night in his bed peacefully while Marsha and Terrence Williams children haven't had a peaceful night of sleep in the last 14 years and nor has the Santos family. So it's been over 17 fucking years. Um, Marsha Williams is still searching for her son and Felipe. Oh my God. She has appeared on a ton of true crime programs. Hashtag disappeared. <laughs> my favorite, personal favorite. And it's it's really f- obviously heartbreaking but like really cool to just hear her side of the story when you're learning about this and like there's something about like hearing directly from the people affected that makes it so much more powerful yeah i was gonna Um, say it's got to be so convincing of like hey what the fuck was going on like the person who who talked to you every single day multiple times doesn't know what happened to you and 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 she's saying um oh and the police officer saying like oh well the sheriff saying he had a reason to go and she was like trust me like 
he didn't you know it's just so much more compelling to hear to see somebody being like no trust me i know him i know my son everybody knew him he you know so this is sad but in 2017 marcia said you know my biggest wish i wish i could win the lottery if i didn't have to work and go on i could spend all my time searching for my son between work and searching for him when i can i'm tired and i feel so guilty about not doing more Oh, 17 years now she's been just searching Girl, you've in done all it. you've done time. enough oh my gosh you're you've done all you can and so um if you have any information obviously regarding the disappearance of terrence williams i always just urge people to look up a photo you never know you know maybe maybe you've seen him at the pizza hut who knows anything yeah. like if you have any information Please contact the Collier County Sheriff's Office. You can call 1-800-780-8477. You can call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-780-TIPS. Uh, or you can email a tip or call the Q Center 24-hour tip line at 910-232-1687. I know it's a lot of numbers, but we can put that in the show notes. Or uh, you can, you know, Google Collier County Sheriff's Office and, and see who to contact. So mm-hmm. at least we know that this asshole's not working there anymore. So... At least they got yeah, rid of him, but it's like he's still just living the dream fishing in Iowa and like mm. motherfuckers up having a great old time. And who knows what, I mean, we don't know, but it could have not been the last time that happened for him too if he's you never know. It's not a safe man, I would I would argue, <laughs> to be having run around the streets, but whatever. Well, so, you know, just another fucking terrible story for you. You're welcome. Yikes. Well... <laughs> Thank you again for that. Although I did appreciate the, uh, I mean, I, I always like trying to figure it out. But for some reason, I always start these stories thinking I'm going to like, what an asshole I am to think like, I'm going to solve it. Like in I my head. There's I'm- always that, that I get that though. There's always that desire of like, maybe I can help. Maybe I can fix it. Maybe I can solve it. And I um, never can. But sometimes <laughs> people do, you know, you never, you never fucking know. And I just, that's why it's sometimes so compelling to do these like mis- you know unsolved mysteries because it's like somebody knows something that they don't necessarily even realize could be helpful, you know. Yeah. So. That would be a a nice goal to meet one day in in my life or in our life on the podcast is like to be able to like help solve something. Oh, I've I have written that in my <laughs> in my manifestation journal many times. Um solve a cold case so i've been just, manifesting it don't worry <laughs> if they if someone needs to know like i don't know how many steaks can one person eat in a single day like if that's the answer that they need to solve a crime i would be the person who can help i'd be like i can tell you it's um, none of us doubt that for one moment you'd be the first person to call it's the only thing i can think of on how i'd be able to i don't know any other information anyone else could probably i know. think the only way really or realistically a lot of times is if you have some sort of connection like you're like oh i've seen that guy you know what i mean like if it's just a fluke like i saw that guy working at starbucks or you know something like that where a sighting you know i feel like that's the only real way um unless you kind of go out of your way to like really try and solve something if you had to if you got to solve a mystery but it was like a a random piece of information like a random interest Mm -hmm. what would you hope that that mystery would like what do you think your topic would be that you could consider yourself an expert on wait what do you mean like what would yours be steak it would be steak or naps yeah oh (laughs) like if you if you if you had to solve a a, with like a with like a fun fact that only you would know what like what would you hope your random fact would be the way the one that saves the day it would be like spelling or grammar 
like something like really stupid semantics semantic literally semantics spelling grammar it would be something like really nitpicky like actually you're using that as an indirect (laughs) as a direct (laughs) you know i feel like i would be very very nitpicky about that that fun fact whenever i have to like write a text or like i I felt like a serious text i'll send it to christine be like can you edit it for me because (laughs) i i I don't know what i'm doing and you're better at this than i just because i learned english as a second language and so it but still really young so i think i learned it in like a different way from how most people do i don't know hey don't if know. you had to solve a mystery with the fact that skittles are vegan like you were going to be the one that I saved tried. the day before me I, so. I yell it so often i i hoped by now i would have solved something but clearly not yeah maybe, someday. The, maybe maybe back to the future trivia for me oh you know i don't know i think you'd be pretty good at like maybe a bob's burger trivia oh you know that's fun. There really should be like a like a a murder mystery that's rooted in having to know fun trivia. Like it's like a trivia game, but a murder mystery, and the only way you win is like you have to know random fucking knowledge I to be like able to solve I feel like that could be like an escape room, an escape room theme. You know, I feel like they do those <laughs> random themed escape rooms. We could do like a an animated, an adult animated. That would be pretty fun though. That's a lot of collaborating, but I would be, be into a it. lot of work. But I would have a blast. <laughs> Anyway, catch you at our weird animated escape room where yes, uh, Skittles we'll are vegan <laughs> and uh, and that's all you need to know. I'll be trapped inside with Linda Belcher and I will be drunk. <laughs> nope, not pregnant drunk, just drunk. <sighs> drunk on Skittles. Drunk okay, on lime well, Skittles only. Uh, I guess that's it. We'll see uh, next week. What is today? What is this coming? Hell if I know. It's early August. So we'll see you on the 15th of August. Cool. We'll see you at some point in August, at the very least. And that's why we drink. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.